I know I don't have to tell you this, but this episode is only for educational purposes. It is not nutrition or personalized medical advice. We want you to get the most from the episode, but to keep that in mind as well. And we really hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Quiet the Diet podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Shapiro. I am an integrative functional registered dietitian in New York City who has helped over 1,000 clients reverse their anxiety, approach their weight lovingly, and heal their digestive issues. I help clients to access liberating self-awareness through humor, compassion, and nuance. I lost 100 pounds the wrong way so that you don't have to, you know, without all the physical and psychological damage that comes along with it. Whole body health requires so much more than just going on a restrictive diet. The Quiet the Diet podcast offers a holistic look at what it takes to be your most vibrant, healthy self. I want to help you quiet the diet so you can focus on all the other parts of your amazing health and life. Welcome to the pod. I can't wait to explore the magic of functional nutrition and medicine together. We have an exceptional guest today talking about some tangible strategies for constipation. Our guest is Dr. Haley Schaff, who is a functional chiropractor, integrative health practitioner, and podcaster with a master's in applied clinical nutrition. She's a former collegiate athlete who has a passion for teaching people how to bridge the gap between fitness and holistic health. With a focus on women's hormones and gut health, Dr. Haley has worked with thousands of people all over the world to regain their health through lifestyle, optimal diet, movement, and functional practices. Dr. Haley is incredibly outspoken about informed consent and birth control and aims to help those she works with understand the root cause of their hormonal imbalances. Her main goal is to help you be the alpha of your health by understanding what being optimally healthy means for you. Her incredible podcast is Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. We are so looking forward to learning more about the hacking that Dr. Haley does with her patients when they're encountering constipation. Can't wait to see you in there. I am joyously here with the amazing Dr. Haley Schaff, someone who, much like many of my other guests, I stalked into being my colleague and friend on Instagram. <laughs> I just would repost her posts every day. I was like, yes, I extremely agree with that. And yes, I extremely agree with that to the point where um, you really had no choice but to be friends with me. So thank you so much yeah. for allowing my coercive efforts to get into your world. And I'm so freaking excited for you to be here today. I'm so excited to be here too. It was I was so excited when you had launched your podcast because we had you on my podcast and then I saw that you were launching yours. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's got a great platform. She's got so many things she can talk about. So I'm very happy to be able to now be sharing some wisdom here and chatting with you on yours. And you definitely have a lot of wisdom to share with everyone. Give us the really Thank high you. level professional accreditations. Tell us about you a little bit. And then we're going to, of course, dive deep into our topic today. Tell us about Dr. Haley. Okay. So I have my uh, bachelor of science in biology. I originally thought I wanted to do pre-pharmacy and I completely took a 180. I was like, oh, I'll do pre-pharmacy. Maybe I'll do drug research. And then I'm like, yeah, no, that's not my vibe anymore. Uh, so I completely switched and I decided that I wanted to go to chiropractic school. So I went to chiropractic school here in the Finger Lakes in New York. Um, so I did that, got graduated with my doctor of chiropractic along with my master's of science in applied clinical nutrition. Cause I always knew I wanted to combine the two. I didn't know at the time how heavily my practice would be weighed 
it's, I'd say 75% functional medicine, uh, clinical nutrition, and probably like 20 to 30% Cairo, which I love. I love being able to have both, but I never would have known that at the time. Um, a few years kind of into practice, um, I decided I wanted to just get kind of continue learning, um, get recert or not recertified, but, um, do, uh, integrative health practitioner, um, Back in college, I got my um, strength and conditioning certification, so I, I was doing, like, a lot of, like, personal training, and I still do a little bit of that, but I, I'm in, like, a million different baskets. I'm in, like, the fitness. I like really bridging fitness and health and showing how you can kind of have both together and how you can have, like, just kind of a holistic um, perspective to health and wellness because I think coming from the fitness space, I see how unhealthy there are mm-hmm. some unhealthy tendencies there. Um, so it's, it's very cool. I, I really, I work with a lot of people and bodybuilding are just kind of coming from that space who want to focus on their hormones, their gut health, all the things, but I love what I do. Um, I have a podcast and, um, it's so great cause I get to connect with like-minded people like you. And I, I'm just so thankful to genuinely love what I do. Like I, I was just out of town for a girlfriend's bachelorette and like I bought Wi-Fi on the fl- plane so like I could work and answer emails. And like, I don't know. I, I, I do know the fine line of like taking a break, but I, I, I genuinely love what I do. And I'm so happy to be sharing it with everybody. I, it is very evident that you love what you do and that you also are a person who co- collects so much knowledge from so many different disciplines. And I I love that you said almost to be a holistic provider, you actually have to have knowledge in each of those arenas, whereby some holistic providers kind of stay very narrow. So that's really amazing that you do too. And you have a very, yeah, and I, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool to like, especially cause I feel like what I'm interested in is kind of like showing even more, almost like my health progression, right? Like I was really into health and fitness and then it's like, then I came off birth control and then I'm really interested in hormones and healing my skin. And it's like, and now that's so much of what I do in practice. So it's cool because I think I'm so passionate about so much of what I do is because it's kind of almost emulated my own health and healing journey, which I think is, I think is really cool. We kind of always, we all have a pain to purpose or something that we're really passionate about that lights us up and a lot of that kind of might stem from things that we've gone through. So definitely I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I think like my desperation to become a dietitian was first to figure out all the secrets of weight loss. When I had an eating disorder, honestly, I was like, I'm Mm going to pursue this career so I could learn the tricks of the trade and do it better than other people somehow. And then of course, as a result of that ended up with all these gut issues and anxiety. And that's what I love treating now. It's because we've become so desperate to find these answers for ourselves. And I do believe in some ways the universe or God's blessing the, the, the pain we go through to be able to help others with it. So I, I love that you shared that part of your personal health journey too. And yeah. I also just have to say about you before, again, we get into this topic. I feel like your lifestyle is so cool because you are like truly ancestral. You're truly functional in the way that you live your life. Tell us a little bit more about that. Just cause I think it's very cool. Thank you. Um, well, my, it's so cool to kind of just look back and see how much it's transformed. But in terms of kind of where we are now, we're very much so farm to table um, and, and must a lot of what we eat, very um, protein forward, uh, nose to tail as much as we can. Adding organ meats is something that we've really been into the last few years and just noticing the health dif- benefits from that, trying to eat seasonally, um, obviously minimizing additives and just kind of really sticking to whole f- food in its most whole form. Um, and then kind of on the lifestyle component, really 
moving our body that feels good, not not undertraining, not overtraining, finding kind of what works for our body. We have a home gym, which we had that before COVID, but now we've really just kind of made it everything that we could possibly want, which we love. It's just conducive to our schedules. We sauna, we cold plunge. Um, our recent kind of functional journey has been um, really diving into like sober curious and wow. um, just really like I never thought that that's something that not that I was, I was never a big drinker, like in college. Yes. But in my adult life, like I just didn't feel like the way that it felt. And then just seeing so much of like practitioners and people on Instagram talking about it. Now that's kind of like something that we're diving into. And I've went on two vacations. I just went on a batch, a rowdy bachelorette party and completely sober. And I feel amazing. Oh, that's Um, awesome. So it's just, it's really cool. Like, it's just cool to see and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pushing it by any means. Like, no. please do what what works for you. But I'm just kind of sharing like some things that we've done that like our journey has, if you would have known me, if you are, if you someone who's followed me since the beginning or known me, like you can, you could have seen the progression. I didn't start totally. here. I got here through trial and error, um, seeing what works for my body. So if you're listening to this and you're newer in your health journey, you might be like overwhelmed at how much there of a potential there is to do all these things, but don't, don't look at it in that sense. Just look at all these different ideas you have yeah. as you kind of evolve around your journey. I'd also say that, you know, it it's like, it's more of a fun aspirational idea again, just because I love that you're a practitioner who walks the walk. Like we, we, yeah. you don't need to, to be a good practitioner, but it's always awesome. And I also feel like the part you missed out on in, in speaking of your own amazingness is that I'm obsessed with how much time you spend outdoors. Like, I feel like every time I see you, you're doing some amazing activity outdoors. I'm like literally jealous when I see the cool stuff that you're doing. I'm like, wow, this is, I don't actually jealous in the word. I'm like, go Haley. I love it. I just feel like that's a huge part of your story too, is that outdoor time and just really connecting with nature and yourself. And when you've been saying we, you do a lot of this stuff with your husband too, which is really fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. We, I mean, we bonded over health and fitness from the beginning. So it is really cool that we're very much so, you know, partners in this journey, which I, I, I could not do it with. We, I don't think I would have evolved if we weren't doing it mm-hmm. together. So I am, yeah, when we're hiking with our dog, which our dog's a huge part of the reason we're outside a lot, but, um, it's, 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 I love being just outside. I, I think every podcast that I go on, they're like, what's the biggest tip? I'm like, get outside, put I your know, feet on the so ground, touch the tree. If you're in the city, like the simplest of things, try to find ways. I mean, there's so many studies on forest bathing, I mean, especially like, I mean, it's a Japanese kind of thing of, I don't remember the Japanese word for it, but forest bathing is a very healing modality and just literally stepping outside. There's a, there is a study where it shows like city, like con- you know, congested city, whatnot versus like looking at mountains and natural and like the, their heart rate, the, mm. the stress response from just even like being in those two, looking at those two environments, not even being in them. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. So even if you are in a city, like you are trying to like find ways to be outside out nature, active, yeah. be out in nature. Yeah. Like go to a park. If you can't put your foot on the ground, you can touch a tree kind of to get the grounding aspect. So, I mean, that's honestly a huge part of our health, like whether we're hiking, just walking around the neighborhood, like it doesn't have to be crazy, but any way that I can be outside, that's my happy place. Exactly. And I, I really like this idea kind of tying in the two things you said about sobriety or sober curiosity, like you're saying, and your partnership is a lot of our health also is determined by the people we spend time with. I think that's a huge, huge factor in our health and happiness. I know for myself, I, I haven't drank in probably 
10 years just because part of my anxiety was also not wanting to feel out of control. So I stopped smoking weed Mm -hmm. and drinking. I was like, Ooh, I don't like that. I don't have full brain control here. And then I kind of just kept not doing it. So now my friends know if we're at a bar, I'm literally asking them if they have ginger extract behind the bar. And I'm like, pour some of that lemon (laughs) in a cup for me. Let's keep this digestive fire going, you know, throughout the night. That's amazing. My friends know this. They'll joke and send me pictures when they're drinking tea at a restaurant. They're like, Oh, I wish you were here. I'm drinking tea for you at 9 PM because I, I also don't digest things late, which we're going to talk about today yes. too, but you really, yes. oh my gosh, I didn't, I did not know that about you actually. Mm. I, I literally have to go to bed at like eight 30 or nine. My digestive fire truly stops being efficient by like four 30 PM. So I always joke because my mother-in-law every Sunday goes out to dinner with my husband and, and my father-in-law and I love them and we're really, really close. But I tell her, I'm like, if it's, if it's past six, I'm eating like a baked potato at the dinner table because I can't be digesting yeah. meat that late. Like I don't have the liver function for it. So it, it's, it's just kind of my natural pattern. And what I've learned for myself is I like, it, it does. I mean, again, once it's dark for me, like four or 5 a.m. is breakfast time for me. And then I'm done eating usually by like five or six, just because it's what I like, not because that works for anyone else. But I, it, it's, it's definitely yeah. a funny thing that thank God I have the friends that I have because, and the family that I have, my mother-in-law, because I'm like, I can't go to your seven o'clock steakhouse dinner. I'm not going <laughs> to make no. it to that. <laughs> I don't like eating dinner super late. I, yeah. we're usually eating dinner by five. And I always say like, even if you aren't on that, like ex- not extreme that you are like that pattern that you are, like if you have to stop by four 30, even if you at least stop two to three hours before you want to go to bed, I mean, that's a good totally time frame i feel like for most people but you can make it obviously more bio-individual depending on you know what you what you feel works for you why is that dr haley when you're trying to sleep you don't want you to be asking many other things of your body because if we're sleeping if we're trying to like actively digest a really heavy meal it's going to kind of push those sleep cycles a little bit because your body's just worrying about getting that stuff out of your stomach and of course you're digesting throughout the night. Yes. But like, you don't want to be in the heavy stages of digesting a heavy meal right before bedtime. And I'm sure a lot of people, if you think about it, if you've gone out and you've eaten at nine, 10 o'clock, and then you've gone to bed after, I mean, you can see it might, you might be tossing and turning. You might feel like you're not, you're up more in the night. I mean, if you kind of are now mindful of it, you can think of those instances. Whereas if you have it earlier in the day, your digestion's done, then you can just solely focus on, I'm going to go in and out of these sleep cycles. And it's just, it's taking so much stress off of your liver and your digestive organs so that your body can do the one focus that it wants to do, which is sleep. So that's honestly a huge, just simple hack. Just make sure you're done eating. Super simple hack. Ideally to like, especially if you struggle with bloating or constipation, when you're constantly asking so much of your digestion, when you're trying to do other things. And that includes even, you know, working, uh, driving, like we're, we're, we should not be eating when we're trying to like do other things, which is something that's hard. I know we live in a fast paced world. It's go, go, go. But if you can kind of just try to at least have, be intentional and mindful of when you're eating, you're going to produce a lot more digestive enzymes, have a lot stronger stomach acid. So yeah, that's, it's a whole a whole kind of like rabbit hole that I'm sure we'll go into. All oh, that we're going to get today. to that. We're jumping into rabbit holes all day today. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I think that, so this is the question I have as a follow-up for you to kind of kick us off, which hilariously, I haven't even said what the topic of this episode is. Besides if I make an intro, then I will have said it in the intro, but we're going to talk about constipation specifically today. So when we think of digestion, I kind of have this visual of 
for many people, digestion is this thing that you kind of eat something and then you just kind of poop it out. Would you say digestion is a more involved process than that? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff like digestion is very, is very like a mental thing too. Or it's like even just seeing like how you preparing the food, your, your, uh, digestive enzymes, your mouth starts to water, you know, like it's, it's a very, I would say it is a, it's a simple process, but there's a lot of complex undertones. Totally. Like, yes, you eat the things you, and I guess when you eat it, it doesn't always mean that you're absorbing. So mm-hmm. you eat and you poop it out, but like, did you absorb? Um, did you, were you able to, you know, process all the nutrients out of the food that you're eating? So yes and yes and no. And I love that you mentioned the digestive fire earlier because I like speaking of that as well, that when you think of it as a fire, you think of, okay, what are things that can help stoke the fire versus, you know, there are certain things that can put out the fire dampen. or dampen the strength of the fire. Right. Yeah. So when I'm thinking of digestion, I'm thinking of, it's not like only one organ. I think people often think of it as a stomach where I think of the primary site of digestion is probably being the small intestine. I think of the liver, honestly. I mean, it depends on what type of food. Yeah. The liver's a huge component, which I feel like nobody thinks of the liver for digestion. Why does everyone leave the poor liver out? It's so sad. Can you? It's so important. It is so freaking important. Yeah. And I think that again, when I have this visual of the digestive fire and I think of our digestion being almost like, let's think of our stomach acid as being like a vat of acid if we are super low in that vat of acid and we it's not corrosive right we need it to be like corrosive and break things and burn things up really well so when we pour something in and it it could just sit there and the risk of it just sitting there because it's not burning up and you don't have enough acid or heat as we're saying the risk is Mm -hmm. that then what happens is you start having bacterial overgrowth from the food that's just sitting there and not being you know utilized properly. Can you briefly tell us the difference in your head between digestion and absorption? Because there's, I I think of them as kind of two different legs. Yeah. So I think of digestion kind of like you said, where it's like, you're eating something, you are breaking it down and your body's getting rid of what it doesn't need. Whereas absorption is as it's working through your small intestine, um, as it's working through your large intestine, what is being, what nutrients are being extracted out? Mm -hmm. And to that point, how is the integrity of that gut lining? Are things getting through that shouldn't be getting through? Like, is there any intestinal permeability or leakiness to that gut, which can impact, um, I guess, too much absorption. Like, uh, you know, that's why people have food sensitivities or things like that, because things that are in this food that ideally shouldn't be getting through are getting through. And that Mm. is technically in the whole digestive process. Because I think of digestion is the whole tube from mouth to anus. It is everything in between, plus the accessory organs, like we talked about with the liver and the gallbladder. Um, which the gallbladder is just something that we just love to just completely cut out and not understand. Okay. Yeah. Just take it out, which I understand if someone's having like question to stay, whatever, but, but why is that person having attacks in the first place? What are they doing to tax that organ that I just think it's, it could be very much so preventable in a lot of cases anyways. So there's kind of the, the mouth to anus, that whole tube. Um, but then we've got obviously the accessory organs and all of those types of things that are helping your body to like the liver and gallbladder, uh, releasing bile to help break down and absorb fats and fat soluble nutrients, which is very popular or very important. A lot of people are very deficient in fat soluble mm-hmm. nutrients. It's so important for, um, of my people who are really working on skin health. Why are we deficient in those? 
a lot of people really have just horrible bile production and honestly not great liver health in general and my and absolutely not yeah. saying like everyone has liver disease but non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is is quite abundantly on the rise and with that um, some people can just have sluggish liver. Like you said, like, you know, that's something you struggle with. I know that that's something I struggle with big time. Mm. And so I just know that I have to give a little bit more love, maybe some digestive bitters or, you know, dandelion teas and things like that to just kind of help support that. Uh, because Absolutely. if you're not releasing bile, you're not going to be digesting and absorbing all these, ho- you know, you're doing all these great things to eat all this food. We, we want to make sure you're actually utilizing it. And that does come down to like how you break it down. So that does start in your mouth with, are you chewing? Which a lot of people aren't. Some people are like, yeah, I'm seeing like whole pieces of carrots and asparagus in my stool. I'm like, mm. how many bites of food are you taking? Like, are you taking like five bites? Or are you taking 25 bites? Um, you know, so totally. I mean, it really does start here, but then chemically there's a huge chemical process of the digestive enzymes, um, bile, stomach acid, all that stuff that, that is going to help not only break down the food, but the better that it's the more, the more that it's broken down or the uh, more efficient that it's broken down, the better you'll be able to uh, absorb and utilize. Totally. And I think this idea that we're taking food and that we digest it and then are extracting nutrients from it is probably new for a lot of people too. And, and really, really important to understand this idea also of a food coming through our digestive tract, just thinking about kind of the windy journey that food has to go down and encountering enzymes along the way and acid along the way. It, it is it is quite a complex journey and a lot can go wrong yeah. on, on that pathway for sure. So our topic today is really mm-hmm. focused on something that I think centers around our lower digestion. So what I think of more um, not as those accessory organs, our liver and our gallbladder, but funny enough, they are actually related to this conversation. But I think of them as centering maybe around like the small intestine and the stomach. So the current kind of treatment that I see for constipation generally from a conventional medicine perspective, as we know, is the prescription of laxatives. I see a lot of prescription of Linzess. That's a popular medication I see now. And then Coley's stool softeners, things like that. People do self-treatment for constipation at home. They take laxatives, Miralax, milk of magnesia, those kind of things. And then in kind of... And now I'm seeing a little more like magnesium. And then I would see in a conventional nutrition office, what you're going to see is drink more water and eat more fiber. That's kind of the two recommendations we see the most. Let's talk about where are we going wrong in conventional medicine and conventional nutrition? What point are we missing why we're not treating constipation right, so to speak? I think a huge portion that we're missing is like the, is the nervous system connection and specifically with the vagus nerve mm-hmm. uh, because the vagus nerve is a cranial nerve so it's coming out of the brain stem and it's going and innervating multiple different organs a lot of those organs are digestive organs especially the small intestine and so the vagus nerve is very cool because it deals with parasympathetic activity which rest and digest is a parasympathetic activity so if that vagus nerve is stressed or if you are under stress or if you are not breathing properly, which a lot of people can be more chest breathers and not belly breathers, which when we're belly breathing, it's more parasympathetic. So more mm. rest and digest versus like chest breathing. There's actually a really cool um, case story from 
a colleague of mine who he had a patient who chronically constipated, relied on Miralax every single day, taught her how to belly breathe and really activate her vagus nerve. They called her two weeks later to say, hey, I just wanted to make sure everything's okay. She's like, oh yeah, I've been having multiple bowel movements every single day. I'm good. Like, I mean, I I know that that's like a very simplistic story, but I think that that just goes to show the importance of it. And when I think about, hey, okay, you know, I'll have patients message me, hey, you know, I'm having a little bit more constipation. What is different? Are you under stress? Were you traveling? Are you out of your routine? Because everyone says, when I'm out of my routine, I do. And it's like, okay, well, when you're out of your routine, we're very cyclic and uh, routine creatures. We really like routine. And when we're thrown off, that can be maybe a stress to your nervous system. You might be holding tension in your stomach and instead of activating that vagus nerve. So I think a huge root to a lot of this stuff um, is is nervous system. But obviously there's uh, other, you know, co-infections or inflammation and stuff that can obviously prevent that from happening. But I think the biggest thing that can help a majority of the people is a lot of that nervous system balancing and parasympathetic activation. Yeah. So, and I'll walk it back for people in total layman terms too. When I think of our, like evolutionarily, biologically, we think of if we were cave women, cave men, and we were running from a bear, basically our body would stop our digestion entirely so that we could focus on running. And and because digestion is not this thing that's just happening, it's actually a very energetically involved process. So it requires a lot of energy. It's very energetically involved. It's super, it's a, it's a huge demand on the body, like you said. So if your body is focusing on sleep, your body can't also focus on digestion at the same time. It doesn't do many different tasks perfectly well at the same time. So what happens is our digestion will kind of stop. So what we're not realizing is we could be sitting in traffic and that can be activating Mm -hmm. that, like you said, the fight or flight response versus that rest and digest response. And that's happening probably to all of us like a hundred times a day without realizing. And our digestion works exactly with our brain to say, hey, is it time to digest or is it time to fight and run from a bear? So that can stop yep. our digestion altogether. So I, I'm just reiterating your incredibly profound points and, and, and it's really important. The other thing I wanted to back you up on too, is you said basically digestion starts, you know, mentally it starts when you first look at food. Our body literally will anticipate the needs of stomach acid, anticipate the needs of enzyme output based on even when you start smelling food, even when you start seeing food. Mm -hmm. Also, if you're eating in a stressed environment, like Haley, you're saying, our digestive system might shut down. So we might not be able to A, digest the food or B, absorb the food in the same way, which is, is so important for people to hear and something that none of us are used to hearing. I'd also say that it's so important in all this for our posture to be really good and in a way that feels safe for us to receive food and signals to our body, hey, it's safe to receive. So this mental anxiety, the parasympathetic activation and all of that, also it sounds like relates to your relationship with food, that if you're scared of food and, and have food fears, that might actually stop your digestion too. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I feel like that's so much more your like you're the expert and all of that. But no, I totally agree because if like if we have a bad mindset around it, it is going to trigger that potential sympathetic or fight or flight mode, you know, like oh, I don't have a good relationship with this. I shouldn't eat this. And if you think that, your body's going to feel that and so therefore you're going to still your your digestion is going to say, "Okay, we're not supposed to have this. We shouldn't have this." but we're eating it anyway. So we've got to, yeah, we've just got to find a way to just get rid of it. And, and there's also a, a legitimate mechanism by which our body induces 
you know, peristalsis and the movement through our digestive tract that can, again, literally be stopped during times of stress. So that's one component. What are some other root causes for constipation? Because obviously, you know, on this podcast and any podcast you're on, we're always talking about the functional nutrition approach, which is where you live. What are some other root causes of constipation that you see in either your patients or that you know to be true? So... I see uh, in terms of like gut co-infections or infections mm. or imbalances that might be in the gut, I see that be a common one. And that can be a lot of different things that can be SIBO or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which you kind of alluded to earlier when things just kind of sit there and they're not moving super well, they can ferment. Um, and I think, again, stress and like gut motility is a huge kind of portion of that, which another portion of that too is frequency of meals. Like when we're eating all the time, like you're never giving yourself, you're never allowing the gut to be able to go through its migrating motor complex, which in layman's terms, the migrating motor complex is essentially just the food moving through the whole kind of GI tract that we said kind of goes from the mouth all the way to the end. Um, and that takes about 90 minutes. So if you're eating, if you're that person that eats every two hours, you are really not giving your digestive system a rest. And so you're asking a lot of it multiple times a day. And that can deplete enzymes. Um, that can slow down motility. So that can cause constipation. Um, so so kind of meal timing or frequency of meals might be a component to it. I, I see, you know, it's a full moon. I see parasites uh, mm. be, be a component of it. And I think a lot of people think that parasites are something we only get when we go to, a, you know, a third world country or we travel, uh, internationally. And that is by no means the case. Um, they're very prevalent. If you have animals, we deworm our animals, but we let our animals sleep in our bed and kiss our face. <laughs> and we don't even think about, you know, to deworm ourselves. So I, truthfully, I see that a lot in practice. And when we can work on kind of clearing a lot of those things out, that helps. Um, I see, I mean, we talked SIBO, the candida or so, uh, candida is kind of, I guess I'd group along with another co-infection. Candida is essentially fungus. So for people who maybe like are constantly craving sugar, constantly craving carbs, like they feel like it's like almost uncontrollable cravings. I see that a lot kind of linked with things like candida. Sometimes if you get fungal acne, which is kind of acne that is almost always there, it's not, it doesn't come or go like maybe hormonal acne does. So yeah. Those kind of are common symptoms with that, that, that you might notice. Um, but, but those are, I'd say really, really big ones. There's some hormonal components too, hormonal sure. imbalances. Um, I mean, to a point, progesterone will naturally slow down gut motility a little bit. That's why we can see pregnancy constipation be a little bit more prevalent. Um, I, that's not necessarily pathologic. It's just kind of how it just, it just is slowing it down a little bit. So you want to make sure you're doing things to keep things flowing uh, a little bit more and you have to be a little bit more prevalent, especially when your progesterone's rising so much in something like pregnancy, but even in the luteal phase or second part of your menstrual cycle after you ovulate, when we are supposed to be making progesterone, people might say, oh yeah, I'm getting constipated a little bit a few days before my period or a week before if it's to the point where you're not going for a few days, that's that's not good. But if you're noticing that your gut motility is just a little slower, we just want to add some things in to improve it during that time. Make sure you're eating foods that are really easy to digest, taking some kind of stress off. Um, and to kind of even just take it back even more, I consider, like, I think a lot of people consider constipation as, oh my gosh, I'm backed up. I haven't gone in seven days. I consider constipation if you don't have two to three, um, like one, at least one to, at least one, one to but three. ideally... Yeah. Two, yeah, one to three bowel movements a day. A day. So if you, yeah. 
yeah, so if you go every other day, to me, that is con- that is somewhere on the spectrum of constipation. But obviously, you know, if you are going twice a week, like we obviously would know, okay, that's that's probably constipation. Or it doesn't have to also be, uh, you don't have to necessarily be like straining, uh, you know, or have um, like really hard to pass stool. Like that doesn't have to be, it's a big symptom and very common, but it. I would consider if you're not having one to three bowel movements a day, you're somewhere kind of on that spectrum. And this is going to be very applicable to you. Absolutely. And then how do you think people end up in this position where they're not going to the bathroom like once a week? Do you think that's like a leaky gut thing, a bacterial imbalance? Like where do people end up? Is And, and I guess, do you see this as because there's people with chronic constipation versus, you know, spontaneous constipation. So right. I think people who are going to enjoy this episode the most or need this episode the most are people with chronic constipation. What do you think are some of the drivers of that really chronic constipation that is not just happening acutely? I think a lot of that stems from uh, your the health, the health and integrity of your gut that honestly starts from when we're born. So Mm. Are you C-section? Are you vaginal birth? Because that's going to have two different sets of your microbiome. And this is no shame to anybody. I think when I say this, I never want to make people feel bad. Like, uh, oh, I was, you know, I was a C-section birth. Like, oh, like it, it's okay. Like, these are just things that I are just important to ask because it's, it's just Part important of the big to how you're yeah, gut and, yeah. and yeah. you know, speaking to that, okay, then were you bottle fed or were you breastfed? Because that's going to give you a different microbiome. Uh, out outlay. Um, were you on a lot of antibiotics as a kid, which a lot of people that I'm working with, a lot of us were for strep throats and ear exactly. infections and things like that. And it's like, okay, you, you kind of stack those cards, not so great in your favor. And we wonder why we see mm-hmm. constipation and then constipation then turns into other things. Constipation turns into acne. It can turn into estrogen dominance. It can turn into all these different things. And it's like, oh my gosh, why is this stuff happening to me when constipation and just not releasing daily is is honestly a huge root cause for a lot of different things that we can see and especially chronic wise a lot of that stuff does stem from kind of what has been happening uh in your younger years even starting from from birth and infancy and it sounds like also you're addressing this piece of digestion which is that it's also part of our detoxification process and part of our drainage process right mm-hmm. this is it's kind of we're all yeah it's the most important piece of drainage like when people think of drainage and detox they're like oh my liver sweating it's like no if you if if your liver is trying to push things out it pushes things out in your stool so you can get rid of it and if that is backed up you're creating a huge chaos for everything else so if it's not coming out there it's going to find other ways to come out it's going to come out through your skin it's going to cut like into breath like it just it it leaks i have a cool and i've seen a cellcore has a really nice image for this it's like a upside down triangle and it's your, your funnel it's like mm-hmm. at the bottom and the most important part is your colon from there is uh, like your liver and kidneys, you know, the bile ducts, like that kind of stuff. But then you work up and then it's like all the way to the cellular level at the top where it's like you are never going to detox cellularly if you aren't pooping. You're never totally. going to be able to, you know, it cleanse, I guess per se, I hate that word sometimes, but not like optimally be able to just drainage and detox is something we go through on a daily basis. We want to get rid of what doesn't need to be there. We want to clear up the gunk and stuff. And, and that really does all start with, are you 
pooping daily. It is so important because think about how just crappy you feel if you don't go, like if you're someone who is very regular and then you don't go for a few days, you're like, I feel disgusting. Or you might start noticing, oh, I'm having a break, like a breakout's coming up or, you know, you're, you're, menstrual cycle might be a little bit different. You might have a little bit more PMSs because you aren't releasing those hormones and those endotoxins and things that your body did a great job of packaging that when we don't release them in our bowels, all those things are continuing to recirculate and recirculate. And so when that happens, they have to be reprocessed through the liver. And so it just becomes a really inconvenient thing. So this is if you want to do one thing for your health, just go poop every single day. <laughs> yeah, totally. Be regular think, because it's so important. I think that, so I'm going to bite back at you for listeners. So I'm, I'm telling you, they're going to be like, I tried everything. I want to poop so know. badly. You know, it's, it's so, I think, I think we are overstated. We are saying it's so important to go to the bathroom. So for people who don't have chronic constipation, but are occasionally constipated, understanding that importance. And then Let's talk about what people can literally do. What can people actually do? And this is not medical or nutrition advice. This is just us talking through some ideas of what people with chronic constipation could do. How how would they, if they are self-treating or working with an amazing practitioner like you, um, where do they start with constipation? So the first thing I feel like you mentioned this earlier, a lot of people go to something like Miralax or something like that. The Mm -hmm. problem I usually have with those, a lot of that can be very habit forming. Mm -hmm. So you form, you can form a reliance on that. Whereas that's harmful in the sense where you, you, if you're struggling with constipation, you want to be able to get into your own rhythm of, okay, Uh I've been up for 30 minutes. I should be having a bowel movement. I've been up for an hour. Like I moved around. Like I should be having a bowel movement. You shouldn't have to drink the Miralax or whatever to have a bowel movement. Honestly, I really like starting, like if you want to kind of optimize your digestive fire, get your bowels moving, starting the day to kind of going back to our digestive fire, starting the day with some warm liquid. I really love doing warm water, some lemon and a little bit of aloe vera juice because aloe vera juice is super nice. It's really soothing to the GI system. It's great for people who have any intestinal inflammation. I think it tastes good. I just really enjoy it, honestly. And the lemon is because it's bitter. It's going to kind of help your body produce a lot of natural enzymes and acids. And because it's warm, it's stoking the digestive fire. So even the difference between this is very interesting in like Eastern medicine and um, acupuncture. My acupuncturist actually told me this years ago, but like drinking something warm is so much better for your digestive system than drinking something cold. And instinctually, I'm like, I hate drinking something cold. Like it doesn't make, Mm. like, unless I'm sweating and I'm out in the summer and whatever, but like, of course it's generally doesn't feel good to me. And it's interesting because it's really not super great for your digestion. So even just being able to start your day, something warm, something to stimulate, you know, whole food nutrition to stimulate those enzymes and acids. That's something that I do every day, whether I'm struggling you know, uh, post-travel or, you know, whatever, uh, it's, it's something that's kind of a part of my routine. Um, I love doing that. I mean, there's certain teas like a senna is a great herb that you can use and ginger and licorice, you know, you can use herbs to your advantage to just kind of just help bring down some inflammation. Cause depending on what the root cause of your constipation is, which that's obviously step one, like you want to maybe kind of do a little bit of digging, maybe take a little bit of self-history and some of the things that we've talked about to be like, okay, you know, I was on antibiotics a lot, or, you know, I don't eat a lot of probiotic rich foods, or I don't really have a lot of any diversity in my diet or, you know, whatever it may be. So it's kind of important to one, figure out your root cause, but things that, again, I like to do 
warm water, lemon, aloe vera juice is great. You can even just take a shot of aloe vera juice. Um, I love certain teas. Um, you don't want to rely on your coffee for your morning bowel movement. Cause if mm. you do rely on your coffee for your morning bowel movement, I would not consider that. You, you just don't want it. Like that's not, I would, you'd want to do it without your coffee. If you have to rely on coffee, it's better than I guess a laxative I'd say, but ideally we'd want you to have it without, um, that makes sense. I love magnesium, especially because yeah. I feel like a lot of people are just deficient in magnesium or uh, suboptimal, I guess I should say, in magnesium. So uh, that's a great nutrient. And I would, I really like taking that at night so you can feel the de-stress benefits. You can really get a lot of the sleep benefits with it too. But then it's really great because it helps pull, like especially citrate, it's helping to pull water into the colon to just be able to keep things nice and nice, moving nice and great. I love castor oil packs. Castor oil packs are awesome. I use those very frequently and it's castor oil is a very antioxidant rich oil, but it's able to penetrate the dermis of the skin. And it's very, it's very soothing. It's very anti-inflammatory. It helps stimulate kind of that liver gallbladder to contract and release the bile to be able to move stuff. So you just kind of wear it right over your liver. I wear it at nighttime. You can wear it anytime, but that's a great modality. For listeners, she's literally talking about taking castor oil and putting it on a cloth and, and actually putting it on the outside of your liver. And what that literally does yep. is you absorb the nutrients from that, which can help with antioxidant activity, that digestive fire, like we were talking about and all that. Keep going. I just wanted to re-explain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then ginger is really great. So whether it's ginger tea or just like using that herb in your food. Oh gosh. I've got, I feel like I have so many different things. Belly breathing. I love yes. like, I notice when I meditate, like after I kind of have my warm water and I meditate, I'm like, all right, I'm good. Movement is helpful too. So mm. if you're kind of struggling, you can at, drink that water and then go for like a little bit of walk, do some yoga or stretching. Like movement's really important because that's sometimes a really great way to just stimulate that movement. Um, so I'd say, yeah, those are kind of like my favorite. I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting something. I probably am, but those are, I'd say like are my super, super simple go-to hacks. I mean, you can try probiotic rich foods depending on how you tolerate probiotics. I love kefir. I love sauerkraut. I love kimchi. They're, I love you, being able to utilize those foods to help diversify the microbiome, get different microorganisms to kind of help repopulate the gut. Bone broth is also good too, because bone broth is a great whole food source of glycine and glutamine, which those two amino acids are really great at healing inflammation in the gut, sealing up any leakiness or intestinal permeability that might be there that can hinder your digestion. So I just honestly love being able to kind of utilize as as much of whole foods as we can. Um, But if needed, being able to use really smart and specific uh, herbs or supplementation just to kind of help pinpoint, you know, where you might be lacking. And I hear from what you're saying that uh, on one hand, these are symptom supportive interventions, but on the other hand, they actually are in some cases treating the root cause, like something like fermented foods. If the issue with your constipation is actually a bacterial imbalance because of, like you said, that you took antibiotics, you know, 30 years ago, a bunch when you were a kid, and now your gut is still imbalanced because it can take that long to recover, honestly, without intervention. You're saying that Mm -hmm. anything that also targets the root is going to help the problem and might have symptom, you know, support too. I like how you were saying also 
things like, again, that pull water into the gut. We understand that fiber can help for a couple different reasons also. So I'm not ruling out fiber for people with constipation. I just think there's more solutions for people than just fiber and water, essentially. Tell us a little bit more about why drinking adequate water, moving, and fiber are actually important for constipation and and what they do. You know, any of them or all of them, what they do to help. So, I mean, I guess all of them together really help to just form... Uh, like mass to be able to move through the stool. I mean, there's people who maybe don't get, uh, you know, there might be people on more of like a plant-based side where they get like 40, 50 grams, where there might be people, you know, maybe some days I get 20, 30, but like both people should still be able to have regular bowel movement. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's very kind of specific to your your diet and lifestyle and where you're at, but it is really helpful for just kind of forming something in the gut. And then obviously water being able to use it like chia seeds soaked in water is a really great remedy too, which I just honestly like to do that sometimes as well. The soaking kind of helps reduce some of the anti-nutrients in there and um, it just, it, it forms almost like a gel when mixed with water. So that's kind of nice to just work through the intestines and naturally help to pull stuff. Raw carrots are great. Like if you've ever seen people do like the raw carrot salads, which is great for hormones and estrogen dominance and things like that. But because it has both soluble and insoluble fiber, you're helping to feed the good probiotics and the microbiome in your gut. But you're also with, you know, the insoluble, the stuff that's not being able to be broken down, being able to just grab different endotoxins and just stuff that doesn't need to be there and kind of pull it out. So, I mean, those are, those are really great, like functional foods that, that people can use to really be able to, again, just make, make this like a normal kind of part of their routine. It's not like a, it's not a cleanse. It's not something you do for, it's like, okay, like this is something I can add into my lifestyle regularly to just ensure that I'm, 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 I'm having healthy bowel movements. That's awesome. Yeah. That's extremely helpful for people. And we're giving like specific foods. I think that is super, you know, supportive and also talking about always bringing it back to you. You still have to find the root cause of why your digestion is doing that in the first place. And I like starting at your nervous system. I think I completely agree with you. I mean, I always agree with you, but I really, really agree with you on that too. So I, I think that you've given a abundance of information for people and strategies and starting with any one of these could make maybe a small difference for someone, which can hopefully reset that cycle that we see with constipation. So thank you, Dr. Haley. You're the freaking best. Where can people find you if they want to learn from you? I I know where to find you and I'm going to put it in the show notes, but tell us more about if people want to work with you, where they can find you. Tell us everything. So I'm most active on Instagram at Dr. Haley Schaff. I also am trying to post more on TikTok, um, which is dr.haleyshoff. And then my website, drhaleyshoff.com, my podcast, Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. You can find your episode there. Um, I, I drop episodes every single Wednesday. So I love, I love that. I love having a podcast. I was thinking about, I'm like, do I do a blog? I'm like, I'm not a writer. I'm a talker. I just got to do it. You're the freaking best at talking. Um, I don't know. Your Instagram's really good, though. Your writing's really good on Instagram. I have to say, but you're, oh my you're, gosh. you're I'm good like at both the places. Worst speller in the world. I'm always like, oh, I misspelled that. Whoops. I'm not changing. <laughs> I love that. Oh energy. God, worst, Do whatever you want. Exactly. Okay. And if people want to work like, with you, the info is good. Everybody can understand it. It's just, you know, a basic elementary word is just spelled wrong and they can, they can figure it out. It's fine. Honestly, it's the information. Not my forte. Exactly. If they can get the information from it, who cares? That's all that matters. And if people yeah. want to work with you, how can they work with you? 
So uh, all the details uh, for that are on my website, drhaleyshop.com. If you scroll under the consult tab, it kind of talks about what my approach is and what that kind of stuff is, the lab testing and whatnot that I do. And um, there's a lot of different options there in terms of uh, packages and, and whatnot. So yeah, I, I love it. And thank you so much for, for having me. It was, it's always great to chat with you. It always goes by so I fast. I love talking to you too. Thank you so much. We're definitely going to have you back on. I'm assuming for many more episodes in the future. You, you guys have to listen to Alpha yes. Health and Wellness Radio. You have to listen to Dr. Haley's podcast. That's a command and you have to follow her on Instagram <laughs> in the next 30 seconds. I'm, t- I'm timing all of you. Thank you, Dr. Haley. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Quiet the Diet podcast. If you found any of this information relevant or you related to it, please feel free to share the podcast. It would mean the world to us. Also, remember to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And you can follow us on Instagram at Quiet the Diet Pod. We'll put the link in the show notes after each episode. Thank you again for listening. And I can't wait to see you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.